El todo sea por un beso deal. Ya soñabas con llegar a McDonald's, ordenar tus McNuggets y tu Big Mac de siempre. Con extra pepinillos, extra salsa especial, extra cebolla, porque tú eres así, extra. Pero luego recuerdas que estás en una cuarta cita. Y quizá ordenar cebollas extra no sea la mejor movida. Hay un meal para cada cita en McDonald's. Ordena por anticipado por el app de McDonald's y llévate dos de tus favoritos, como McNuggets de 10 piezas y una Big Mac por solo 6 dólares. Precios y participación pueden variar. Producto individual a precio regular. Everything we know about UFOs is changing. Thanks to a team led by former Pentagon UFO investigator, Lou Elizondo. That is real, whatever that is. And former top intelligence official, Chris Mellon. This is a current, continuing phenomenon. It's happening, it continues to happen. They discovered five unique characteristics that UFOs have in common. They call the five observables. And released groundbreaking videos. That forced the Navy to admit its pilots were coming face to face with unidentified objects. The U.S. Navy made a shocking admission today. Strange flying objects caught on tape by their own fighter pilots are in fact UFOs. Something needs to be done. Now a new wave of military witnesses is coming out of the shadows. I'd be lying if I said I wasn't scared. I've never seen anything move like that. Shape, size, speed, it's clearly unidentified. The team is united on a new mission. Connect the dots to reveal the truth about UFOs. This thing had no capability, like anything on Earth. And warn the world about the dangers they might represent. Carl Sagan once famously said, extraordinary claims require extraordinary proof. He was absolutely right. But now we have the proof. Hello folks, and finally it is here. This is the first episode of what should be um, four episodes of TUP Talks. Now I have shamelessly stolen hashtag TTSA Talks as acronym, but I'm a massive fanboy of the show. Um, I've never hidden my love for To The Stars Academy, what they're doing over there. Um, so this is a chance for me just to share some thoughts on the first two episodes of Unidentified, episode one and season two. Uh, sorry, episode one of season two and episode two of season two as well. Um, I couldn't sit and do this on my own. Well, I could, but you would get really bored of that. So uh, for some assistance and some help and someone who is equally fanboyish, if not more, in the fact that they uh, make art of people from within the show, uh, I've got Dan, also known as The Zignal from Twitter and The Skinwalker watch along on the show with us. Dan, it seems like only minutes ago I was talking to you. Yeah, it feels like just minutes ago. Um, oh wait, I've just—you're gonna have to cut that bit. I'm not cutting anything out on this one. I was one. gonna make a relativity joke, but I messed it up. Oh, what was your relativity joke? You have to do it now. I—I I, I didn't get a punchline. That's why I said just. Oh, <laughs> he's totally messed it up already. But listen, Dan's a massive fan of To The Stars Academy, much like myself. Um, what we want to do is we saw so many people sharing thoughts and opinions on those first couple of episodes. We wanted to share our thoughts on them, where we think it's going. And also we've got some of your guys' uh, thoughts and opinions on those episodes as well. So this will be a pretty short 20-25 minutes summary of the first two episodes, what we think and what we're kind of hoping for as the series goes on. Spoiler alert, we're, we're both going to be pretty positive about the episodes. I don't think To The Stars could do much that would annoy us without coming out at the end of each episode and saying, just joking, aliens aren't real. And I think even then we'd be like, okay Lou, yeah, no problem. Um, 
So listen, episode one, Dan, was uh, called UFOs in Combat. Now, I know, like myself, you were looking for anything to the Stars Academy and Unidentified related before the series went on, and some of the names of the episodes dropped online before the show aired. What were your thoughts when you see UFOs in Combat? Um, It makes me think of the airspace incursions in the Middle East. Um, it makes me think of Vietnam, um, Foo Fighters, those kinds of cases. That's it. And these go back even further. The, the famous Battle of Los Angeles photo and, you know, World War One, World War Two, so many different encounters. And that's what we got in this first episode. We got four separate testimonies, something that I think straight away, that the series laid a marker, didn't it, where... It was testimony heavy from the start, and this is what we're going to get. What we're not getting, or at least what it doesn't seem we're going to get, are a whole load of new videos of Nimitz or Tic Tac revelation or quality. So if that's what you're looking for, then you're going to be disappointed by the series. However, if you are looking for even further weight and relevance and integrity and credibility to be added into that massive folder, and we talked about this on the New York Times breaking pod that we done last night, Dan, you know, it's all going to be drip fed. You're not going to get a smoking gun in any of this. It's just more and more in the evidence pile that when the time comes, there's just so much that you can't deny that all this is happening, this is going on. So we've got four very credible witnesses on that opening episode, all former military from various time periods, which I like what they've done. They've gone through, and correct me if I'm wrong, Vietnam, Afghanistan, Iraq, and Guam. Was it Guam there was one? Um, uh, I've, I've written the Adriatic Sea, so... So there you go. Uh, <laughs> you've got you've got those four separate, but they have their own similarities, but they're, they're trying to make a point, aren't they, that these incursions, these encounters, these incidents, this technology is not new. It's been around for a long, long time. The military has known about it. These people are seeing them, and it's only now you're getting to hear these stories. So what were your thoughts then on, on some of the testimony we heard on that first episode? The testimony was great. Um, I, I really loved the the one that they chose to lead the show with, uh, Justin Dorfler. Um, he watched a jet get buzzed by a. They say tic tac uh, in the in the recreation in in the story. It seems like it was a light in the sky. Um, tic tac is just kind of becoming the the almost synonymous with UFO, right? Um, but he had his journal notarized at the time by the judge. Um, and I just felt like that was an absolute home run coming out of the gates. Um, <clears throat> then going back to the history kind of stuff, that really surprised me um, because one of the complaints from the first season is that it focused too heavily on a few specific cases and it ignored everything before 2004. Yeah. Um, so this this episode straight away addresses that, right? Yeah, and it's 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 trying to find this balance, isn't it, of the history, and we can make a series where we talk about Roswell, we talk about the Phoenix Lights, we talk about Chicago here, we talk about famous incidents, famous crashes, the same abductions, the same people, but what we've got here is, do you know what, this is what we've built our, our foundations on, the Nimitz Tic Tac incident. Here's a lot of similar incidents that have happened over the span of 50 years. And I think if you're a Lou Elizondo or you're a Chris Merlin, 
then that kind of stuff must really light a fire under you as well because this this means a lot to them and this is where they know that the evidence can really pack a punch especially over in the u.s where the the relationship with the military is probably closer or as close as any other country in the world um which is great and you always hear it don't you the thank you for your service before they start a conversation and that's something veterans and non-veterans alike seem to have in common so they they really do hold each other's testimony in really high regard and um, straight off the bat I, andrew hall who's one of the hosts or the host at dead hand radio um he his thoughts were in the first episode in particular not a lot of new info but the story about the A6 intruder pilot in Vietnam as presented very well was really compelling. The fact these anomalies were buzzing around war zones in the 60s is fascinating. It doesn't correlate with any human tech of its time. Yeah, so straight off the bat, isn't it, that we have got back then some of the equipment we'll have had flying about, some of the technology. We didn't have any stealth bombers flying about in there. We had some pretty rusty old planes kicking about. And these things, again, you've got various different orbs spheres saucers being seen in the skies performing incredible maneuvers it's just that impact that they've gone for straight away in this first episode yeah absolutely um anthony lepay um i obviously interviewed for the second series he talked about having something like five thousand different mails and correspondence to go through and they had to shuffle down to 25 that they went ahead with for the series and not all of those made it into the cut either wow there was a that's, lot that's in there. an impressive number <laughs> yeah it was incredible and i think more and more are coming out all the time as well and like anthony said at the end of each episode in series one there was a call to arms let's get people on the record commercial pilots law enforcement police officers um army you know soldiers navy anyone they could get on with that credible military background because it's something that's so shied away from and frowned upon. And there's, there's still a stigma now, which we know it's getting better because these guys are getting to come out on camera. But there's always been that difficult in talk, talking about it, isn't there? Um, but Anthony really uh, pleasantly surprised me by talking on that episode. I interviewed him that he had some NASA workers on uh, who wouldn't come on the record or come on camera, but did contact him about experiences they had had which I think would be fascinating for, for in the future. But right now, this is what we're getting. And I was I was really happy with that first episode as well. So um, there was also some comments made from Luke. Uh, he thought it looked incredible. It was really well made. The production values, I don't think you can fault. Um, he really enjoyed the testimony. Hearing the testimony of incredible technology going back 50 years again, like Andrew was saying, and that's something that came up more and more, adds a lot of credibility I'll agree with this one. Chris Merlin is such an assured character. I don't. He really is. Yeah. Does anything phase that man? I I honestly don't think so. Um, I really enjoyed in episode two seeing him like a kid in a candy shop, uh, in that triangle UFO museum with David David Marley. Yeah, that that was a wonderful moment. You could just see him. He was beaming, and his passion is palpable. You he, he wouldn't be committed so much time and effort and energy to this if if that wasn't the case, you know. Yeah, and I'll I'll keep my thoughts on that for a couple of minutes, and I'll discuss the David Marler Museum to Black Triangle UFOs when we get there. Um, uh, Luke also made a good point in the first episode about there wasn't a great deal from Tom DeLong, and he doesn't feel he gets a a great deal from Tom DeLong anyway. And 
to the Stars Academy, I think we we do naturally see Tom DeLong stepping back more and more anyway from TTSA, don't we? We do. It was said early on that eventually that he'd want to replace himself as the CEO with somebody else. So, you know, that that's on the cards for the future. Um, I don't think it's going to be anytime soon. There's no rumor or signal that that's going to happen. So, you know, don't don't leave this thinking that that's on the, on the cards. Um, but Tom is also someone that back in the day, you, you know, Blink, Tom was seen as a bit of a, a had a bit of an ego. Um, but in the years since, I've come to kind of understand that it was him kind of wrangling with his passion. Um, and in this, he's been able to just completely step back. And as, as a longtime fan, in one way, I want to see him on camera. But in another, I totally respect his decision to step back and let these very, very qualified people talk about their work and their cases. That's yeah. the important thing. And listen, again, as we've said at the start of this, sycophantic or not, we're TTSA, Tom DeLong fanboys. Lou Elizondo, Chris Mellon, Hal Putov, Jim Semivan, these types of characters, Steve Justice, they are they are big characters. They have big presence. They have a lot of knowledge, a lot of gravitas. They also trust Tom DeLong or they wouldn't be in this. So exactly. when he is when he is sitting at that table hearing those conversations, he's there for a reason. And yeah, he comes out with some crazy stuff on Twitter, which is great to read. And no doubt there's a lot of, of truth or at least a lot of a lot of honesty from the place it comes. Whether or not it's 100% accurate or not, we don't know. But for me, you you do see Tom DeLong take more and more of a back step. But I would like to see his input now and again as well. But he is definitely leaving it to the experts because these are the people that we need to hear from. Tom DeLong fronting this campaign Tom DeLong won't appear in the front of New York Times in a serious Leslie Keen, Ralph Blumenthal article. Tom DeLong's not going to lead on Fox News talk, talking to Tucker Carlson about UAPs and incursions into uh, US airspace or, you know, in the middle of battle carrier strike groups or turning off nuclear weapons. But when a Lou Elizondo does it or when a Chris Mellon does it, there's a weight to it that you can't deny and it gets people's attention. So for me, Tom DeLong is not a stupid man. He knows what he's doing. And like you say, he's got that ego, but he absolutely knows for this to work, he needs to take that step back and let those guys take the driving seat, which I think he's doing. And we see that from episode one, that Lou Elizondo and Chris Mellon are the main characters. Um, absolutely. He, he knows his audience. And what, what we have to remember as well, as Lou has said on TTSA Talks, that there are members of, uh, I was going to say parliament then, not parliament, Congress, uh, that watch this show. So we need to really, really be putting our best foot forward. Um, and it's great that Tom knows that a two-minute interview with him on the screen is less good for Congress to see than a two-minute interview with Chris Mellon. Yeah, and, and let's be honest, Tom DeLong has built a very successful career through various different bands, but he hits Absolutely. that screen. Like, like with us, we're fans of UFO, UAP, paranormal, whatever you want to call it. We see Tom DeLong now probably as much as Blink One It Two as the guy who created Two the Stars Academy. Ninety nine percent of everyone else who know him see him as the guy kicking about in his underwear with Travis and Mark and all the small things and you know, being a kinda of cookie, funky rock star and having the, you know, funny voice when he sings, which he he always jokes about as well. 
but he, he knows when to take a step back. So for me, episode one uh, was a home run. Loved it. Great start to the series. If I was going to rate it, eight, eight out of ten, like a solid eight though. Um, what would I bump I'm giving it some more footage or something? Are you going straight with the eleven? It's just already? eleven. Yeah. I I mean I know we didn't get footage, but I never expected to. Um, just in terms of confidence, it just blew me away. I really loved the the opening episode. Awesome. And that takes us nicely then into episode two, uh, which I was very excited to see the title of Black, Tri- uh, Black Triangle Mystery because that, that's something I've seen myself. So uh, back last Christmas, and I've shared this on a few different um, interviews I've done or episodes, but uh, I was driving home from work and uh, six o'clock in the evening, it was nighttime, starry sky, uh, paying attention to the road, of course. And I was taking a, a relatively busy but back road home um, where I can avoid the main highway motorway traffic on the route coming back home. There, there is near an airport, so I'm used to seeing what I know what airplanes look like at that kind of distance and, and low level. Driving along below the trees, I could see two lights, just one point either side that would just look like the the wingspan of an aircraft but as i was driving along this road ready to turn off they hadn't moved and as i basically got underneath it justin looking up out my front window i could see that there was a shape in the sky and there was two points of light but only looking against a really solid black sky and because of these two points of light there was just a black triangle sitting about 200 150 feet 200 feet in the air just above the tree line um amazing a white van had pulled over at the side of the road and the white van man was looking out his window up at this as well he had pulled over and stopped it's a really busy road and it's it's like a 60 70 mile an hour road as well so i had to be careful as i really want to look at this thing as i'm driving at the same time so i I, uh, further along the road i pulled into a, a house some random old couple's driveway who they were happened to be at their window but it's a little cottage type house they came out as i was trying to reverse out just to check obviously why some random guy had pulled up in their drive and he asked me at the time um can i help and i was saying i'm really sorry and i'm trying to look back along the road at, at these two points in the sky that are still there but i'm now seeing it from the reverse angle and you can't really make out any shape at that distance it was only driving under it you can make out the triangle so I pointed along and said, I'm, I'm really sorry, but I'm, I'm looking at that. There's there's a triangle hovering in the sky along there. And I just remember this kind of older gentleman looking along and he laughed and said, oh, it just shows you there's definitely something else out there. Anyway, have a nice night and walked back in his house. And I was That's like, so... <laughs> yeah, that is <laughs> exactly odd, how he reacted. It? His wife never even looked. She went back in the house. He, he looked along. He saw this thing hovering above the tree line and just went back in his house. So I, at this point, I, I get the car turned and now pointed back down the road towards the the, the thing sitting in the sky still. Um, there's still cars coming along, but again, unless you're looking directly at it, you would just drive past it. You wouldn't see it unless you've noticed it, okay? Um, I start driving back along the road and it moves off at a sort of diagonal. It, it, goes, it goes straight and flat, but it goes off diagonally over the tree line. But at this point, a light on the front comes on so those two lights would have been like the the two back points of the triangle and the front of it didn't have a light whereas now it's got this really bright flashing intermittent light as it moves diagonally over the tree line so i I now lose it it moves slowly really oddly definitely not an airplane because they don't go 
diagonally like that. It was so weird the way it moved at that height as well. Um, I drove past the trees to where you would basically see a huge open clearing. It's all fields at this point. Nothing. There was nothing there. Couldn't see it. Gone. I mean, that's a great sighting. Have you sent that to David Mahler? No, I am, I am speaking to David on Facebook and he is going to come on the show soon for an interview. So well, I will discuss it. I will discuss it. Yeah, I, I will give him that one in person. But yeah, so that, that was my triangle UFO. Um, so yeah, I, and that's exactly how it happened. It was kind of evening time coming back from work. And yeah, I didn't film it because I was driving. I wish I'd stopped, you know, all the things that go through your head that I should have, I should have. I, I didn't. I just looked at it, watched it, tried to follow it back. And it was That's gone. always the case, though, isn't it? Yeah. Like when you're confronted with something you think that's from another world, your brain melts. You don't think, I'm going to get my phone. You think, what's a phone? As you're just staring in awe at this thing. You know, I'll be really honest, right? And it would be really easy for me not to say this. You know, when you just get a feeling when I was looking at it, that it was ours? Okay. No, no reason, no nothing. I just had a feeling that, it, it, but maybe it's because it was there and it was real and it was in front of me. But you know, when you just get a ah, that's that that's ours. I don't know why, but yeah, that was um that. That's and interesting. I, yeah, you see the online the oh tr three B stuff, right? Okay. Um. However, it's yeah. So that that's whole episode, episode two, um, the the triangle mystery. What was your thoughts, Dan, when you saw that as the the title for episode two? Um, I was very excited, just because uh, the the first time I saw the title, I saw it with the teaser. Um, so you kind of had Chris leading the charge in the teaser, and I was really really excited for someone of such uh, such height someone so highly qualified to take us on that journey yeah um for me there was a few standout moments in this the fact that it seems to be very much this was chris mellon's episode um if he does nothing else in the series this was his show he leads it from the front and he is absolutely the right guy to do it as well so this must be something he's got an interest in a couple of things that stood out one was chris mellon's theory that these things are potentially mapping the earth. Now, yes. that's not something when you're in the know and you're trying to keep a secret and you're and if it's you're hinting at someone's Christmas present, okay, even if they are wildly off, you wouldn't make up something like that. You know, do you know what I mean? It's like so he's coming from a yeah. position of knowledge and he just drops in there randomly that I think these things might be mapping the Earth because of the way they move back and forward. And I think potentially as well, that might explain why some of them might seem so thin or so small, because they are almost like a drone-type craft that maybe don't have to be manned. Yeah, very possibly. Um, something in your sight, it made me think of what Chris Mellon's theory was, actually. Uh, when you said about the flashing light, that two of the lights were steady and one of them was flashing as it was moving diagonally. I mean, that that to me just sounds like a giant triangular flying photocopier, right? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> to put <yeah>. it bluntly. <laughs> you, you, there was no, no third light until it started moving away. And then when it yeah. moves, it was tracking. Um, 
the, so, so that kind of thing it could be taking photos it could be taking readings you know or anything like that and i it's it's a really good hypothesis um tom rogan appears in this episode as well uh, the journalist and he says something uh chris mallon was essentially a king of the intelligence community he had access to anything he wanted that's a quote um just puts it in perspective his his involvement with ttsa and with the show at all really uh it's it's a minor miracle we have someone like this on our side um and he's doing incredible work yeah two other massive things that stood out for me and i won't name individuals because that's not the point of this show but so many people highlighted that the police radio calls were the highlight of this episode for them on twitter i saw a lot of that the police radio calls are very they're very real aren't they yeah in in a field where we don't have a lot of real they are very tangible things um i sent them to a friend and he he said they gave him trills um so i think if you haven't heard them before um then yeah they're chill inducing but if you have through an episode of say the basement office heard that audio before um it might not be the highlight of the episode for you yeah and that's a fair point um I hadn't heard those on Basement Office. I've, I've, I've seen half of Basement Office, not all of it. Um, I was kind of late to that show. Um, but yeah, I, I love those because it sounds to me like people are seeing something that they they don't necessarily, they're not UFO believers. And I'm just taking this, you know, at, at face value. Even when the the, the, dis, the dispatcher, and I apologise if I'm getting the language wrong for any kind of one who works in the police force, but there's the lady who operates the radio who tells one of the officers to dispatcher, go and investigate. Right. Yeah, and, and the guy makes the point, doesn't he, that what do you want me to do if I see this? Because she's <laughs> telling him there's apparently a two-storey building-sized ship or object floating above this town, and he quite rightly says to her, okay i'll go and look but what do you want me to do about it which is a great point it's a good point it is and it's then a really you, good hear, point. you hear a series of other officers who basically go yep i'm i'm seeing something pretty big this thing is is cruising over the town it's cruising over the city it's moving this far away it's over at this point now so for me that was great um but like you say it's a really good point if you've heard that audio before it may not be as as gripping for you the other one, though, is definitely and probably the highlight of the, the episode was the David Marler shrine to the Black Triangle. Um, Chris Mellon yeah, was impressed. And if you can impress Chris Mellon, you're, you're doing something right in life. Yeah, it's a fairly good goal in life, I'd say. <laughs> How much do you want that uh, woodwork black working triangle model that was made for him? With the advent of 3D printing, I'm fairly sure we can help them get some little scale models online. Yeah, that would be pretty Make cool. That a reality. Yeah, I love that. Um, David Marler, he spoke so well and so confidently, and he is clearly a very serious researcher. Um, anyone who listens to this show, whether or not it comes across, I'm someone who just likes to ask questions and go with the flow of the conversation. That's that's what, what I enjoy and that's why I do this, okay? Um, I've got a terrible memory, really bad, shoddy memory, and that's where, Dan, you come into your own, I think, helping me out on these episodes because you've got this mind that can delve back in and pick these things out and I tend to go, oh, yeah, I do remember that. Or, oh, yeah, that sounds familiar. David Marler seems to me the kind of guy who 
no matter what you mentioned, whatever case, he knows where that file is in which cabinet and where he has multiple, you know, different, you know, papers on this, that and the next thing. So what kind of stood out to, for you when he was in there talking with Chris Mellon? Uh, well, one, I'd say that David Mahler, even though Nick Pope gets the, the Mulder nickname, I, I feel like David Mahler has definitely earned that <clears throat> um, reputation. Um, is I forgot what I was going to say now. You say Mulder, he could be the Scully. Yeah, they could be Mulder and Scully. <laughs> he, he mentioned a number of sightings as well, or cases even. He said there were 17,000 cases. Um, and Chris mentioned that most people never actually report their sightings. So that number is high, but there is exponentially more out there. Well, let me put my hand up. I didn't report my sighting because... There's one right there. Yep. And again, I've I've had that second sighting. It wasn't a black triangle, but when I was younger, and that was with my mother, sister, friend, and his mum, where five of us saw what would have been a pretty large disc-shaped object on its side, just, I mean, not far off touching the ground, but, you know, like a Ferris wheel. And I've described this on previous shows, so I apologise if you've heard it. But, again, we saw that in a really built-up area on an evening in Glasgow. And uh, my mum, who isn't, you know, UFO, uh, you know, she's not a believer as such. And she'll say, yeah, there must be something out there, but... We, we saw this really incredible thing spinning at a speed that would have you would kill you if you were on it wasn't a ferris wheel but it looked like a ferris wheel slightly off off tilt um that wasn't reported other people would have seen that potentially unless it was only us that saw it you know who knows um but again there was people walking about driving about but how many times do these things get seen and just not reported because who do you phone especially back in the 90s for example who did you phone? There was no internet. There was no. You didn't pick up the phone or you know go on Twitter. But that's it. You you run it up the chain of command looking for the answer to that question, right? What do I do if I go see this two story triangling UFO? What do I do? So the dispatch lady asks the policeman. The policeman would no doubt ask his boss. That boss should ask their boss, and so on and so forth. Um, but the stigma has stopped people doing that. And now we're at a place where we've got something in Congress that recently uh, evolved uh, S3905. It's now S4049. Um, that's, that's the top of the chain of command right there. All of these questions of what do we do? What are they? They all go to that bill. So if we can push this through like this show and the people in this show want us to, we're set for a really good, uh, a really good 2021. Yeah, I think as it goes, and we'll start wrapping up because we want to keep this one short, folks. Uh, these two episodes were, were brilliant for me. I don't think you could have asked for much more. Um, episode three, UFOs and Nukes. Now, as a title alone, that's got to get you watching. Um, so I'm really excited for that. But as, as, a, as two opening episodes go, there's some stunning testimony. And then we've got a whole episode where the former Undersecretary of Defence for the United States is talking about Black Triangle UFOs. So, yeah, we have made progress. New York Times articles are out there uh, in one shape or form. People are talking about it. There's motions going through the Senate. The president, like him or not, is mentioning Roswell in Area 51 on live TV in whatever shape or form. It was done relatively seriously. 
So, yeah, 2021, and overall racing towards it for various reasons right now, because 2020 has been the shittest game of Jumanji known to man <laughs> so far. But, you know, we're, we're starting to maybe get out the other end of that. Uh, I, I'm, and I I'm de- starting to get the feeling that when we look back over UFO history since the, I'll say since the 40s, modern UFO history, we're, we're going to feel like we hit that December 2017 article and a bomb went off. It's not going to feel like we've been waiting two years for little drip feeds and people to educate the public and to try and catch them up with us. Um, it is going to be massive. Yeah, that's the thing. We're living through it right now, aren't we? And it's going to be over a short period of time. This happened, this happened, this happened. And maybe only in hindsight, looking back on all of this, are we going to go, wow, do you know what? Look how much we got. Look at the TV yeah, series. Absolutely. Look at the weight of testimony. Look at the movies that came out. I mean, even look at, um, if, if you've not seen it yet, I know me and you, Dan, were, were briefly sharing some, some trailers on it. But NBC have that pilot for Debris. So at Debris, the same yeah. time, all this is happening. We've got a pilot for a TV show that's about pieces of an alien spacecraft landing on Earth. Consciousness I, and creativity is a different podcast. Yeah, <laughs> we can do it. It, but. <laughs> it totally is. Yeah, it totally is. Um, but listen, three podcasts in two nights, I think, is just enough even for <laughs> us at the minute. Um, but yeah, there's, there's no way that's just coincidence that again there's a time for this stuff to go out into the media and I definitely think that your Hollywood and those types of the medias and that's why Two of the Stars has all these different departments and compartments that you've got the entertainment division you know they've got their Poe Anderson series uh, they're looking to do various different movies they've got a science division they've then got obviously these documentaries being produced there's a lot of different areas they're using to try and get this message out there and I think all that kind of plays a part in it so for me, two solid episodes. I would go with this episode again being an eight and a half or nine out of ten. I'm going to hold off on a ten again because it's a, maybe it was the lack of that bit of footage, or even though there were some good pictures in there of the the report were over the canyon, which was pretty cool. But yeah, I'm going with an eight and a eight and a half or nine out of ten for the first two episodes. I'm over the moon the way the series has started. Um, I'm going for an eleven out of ten again because cool. It's 2020. Keeping keep it going. I just yeah. want to, you know, throw chaos out there. No, uh, I'm, I'm really, really thoroughly enjoying uh, this season. I think they're knocking it out of the park. Um, everything before unidentified, to me, it's kind of like, you know, when there was an iPhone and all the other phones kind of changed to black slabs and everything before it looks a particular way? That's how I feel about this show. Tonally, you know, there have been some outliers like on the trailer UFOs and some other shows that have been really, really great at keeping that really good professional tone. But everything now feels like it's changing to a more serious conversation because of the work that TTSA have done, whether it's in Congress or in fiction. It's it's given creatives a way to tell these stories in a more serious light. A massive, massive, massive thank you to everybody who came forward. Uh, Justin Dorfler, James Boshears, Brian Weston, Derek Tarr, JT, Michael Via, and there were a few anonymous witnesses as well. Honestly, you're helping that everyone move the ball down the field. Humanity will look, oh wait, history will look kindly on you. 
humanity and history will look kind of on them, Dan. But yeah, no, it's they will. It's, you know, it's really brave. <laughs> it's really, really brave for these people to come forward and do this, um, whether they're still active or, or not within the military. So yeah, it's a really great point. Yeah. And listen, folks, um, you play a big part in this episode. A lot of what we have discussed, aside from our own thoughts, are being from conversations that um, I've had with you on Twitter or I've seen people having or that you've sent me over directly as well. So please keep those conversations coming. The next episode will be in two weeks' time where we will discuss episode three and episode four of Unidentified Together. Um, so episode three, UFOs and Nooks, will be on the 25th of July 11 or sorry 9 10 central i believe is the time over in the us and for those uh, elsewhere i should have the dates and air dates and times for canada and the uk anytime now the networks got back to me today saying they've got their international department going to email me over and let me know and once i've got that i'll send it out straight away for you as well folks i know people have been asking but please That's um yeah, no, I forgot to say it to you before, Dan. So, yeah, I'll get that out to people. Um, but listen, keep your thoughts coming over, opinions, good or bad. We're happy to discuss them at UFO, UAP, AM, or to Dan at The Signal. Or you can email the show, UFO, UAP, AM, at gmail.com. Once again, folks, thank you very much for listening. Remember, keep looking up. You never know what you might see. Maybe a black triangle. Progressive Snapshot can save you money based on how you drive and how much you drive. So the safer you drive, the more money you could save. Now, if you didn't hear that because you were looking at your phone while driving, let me say it again. Seriously, put down your phone. That is so unsafe. If you didn't do stuff like use your phone while driving, you could save money with Progressive Snapshot. But saving or not, just put it down. And if you did hear it the first time because you weren't looking at your phone, nice work. You'd love Snapshot from Progressive because it rewards safe drivers. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Snapshot not available in California and North Carolina or from all agents. Sure, we have 30 seconds to tell you that drivers who switch to Progressive could save big. But then what? Well, we could try to fill the remaining time with awkward pauses. It's often done for comedic effect. Is it working? I can't tell if this is funny. Maybe this is so bad it's funny. Wow, we really peaked at the save big when you switched to progressive part. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates.